Welcome to my podcast. If you haven't been here before, my name is Judy Fitzgerald, and I am a 10-year breast cancer survivor. I am not a medical professional, nor do I claim to be providing any medical advice. The purpose of my podcast is to provide education and support for women who are facing the horrible disease of breast cancer. I presently serve as one of three consumer advocates on the Cleveland Clinic's breast cancer vaccine clinical trial to begin soon in 2021. Please help me by subscribing to my channel and visiting my website at www.sistersforprevention.com. There you can read about our latest progress on, with the vaccine research, as well as obtain tips for lifestyle and diet changes to help prevent the recurrence of breast cancer. Thank you for visiting my channel and for your support. So today's topic is going to discuss something that's very important to understand, and it's, it's really what you need to know to first interpret the finding of the breast cancer. So there are basically two types of stage zero breast cancer. Now stage zero breast cancer means that the cancer has been confined to that part of the breast and has not escaped into the surrounding breast tissue. tissue. These two types are called DCIS, or ductal carcinoma in situ, and LCIS, lobular carcinoma in situ. In situ meaning it's contained in those vessels. So what do they mean? And could they have an impact on your treatment and also the prognosis? So DCIS, or ductal carcinoma in situ, starts in the tubes or the ducts that move the milk from the breast to the nipple. Most early breast cancers are of this type. LCIS is lobular carcinoma in situ. And this particular type of breast cancer starts in the part of the breast called lobules. And these lobules are where the milk is produced. Now DCIS, it is breast cancer, but again, I said it was stage zero because there is some controversy about this where there are some thoughts that DCIS can be reversed if the person adapts a healthy lifestyle. And if this is the only type of cancer that you have, then normally a lumpectomy would be the first plan of treatment, as long as the DCIS wasn't over an extensive area. LCIS, however, the lobular carcinoma in situ, remember the lobules are what produce the milk, is actually a marker for increased 
possibility of invasive cancer in that breast or actually in both breasts. They call this sometimes mirror cancer, where if you have this in one breast, the likelihood is, your likelihood is increased of it either returning or uh, to advance in, in the other breast. So again, LCIS and DCIS are non-invasive. Uh, when they become invasive, it means that it has spread from the ducts or the lobules to the other tissue in the breast, to the uh, vascular tissue in your breast. Non-invasive also means that it has not spread normally. Now, the reason that it is called stage zero is because these in situ cancers are not considered to be life-threatening. The issue is when it's, they are left untreated and the cancer then escapes the ducts and spreads to the nearby tissue. Once it leaves the ducts or leaves the lobules and invades the nearby tissue, then the danger begins. Uh, the first line of defense to them invading or going beyond the breast is the sentinel node, which I talked a little bit about in my podcast about my mastectomy. There's a main node at the sort of the outlet of the breast, and the reason it's called the sentinel node is that it guards the breast from infection. And this sentinel node, when you have a mastectomy, is normally the first node that is uh, tested for traces of cancer. Because if that node is cancer-free, then the chances are 100% that the cancer has not spread beyond the breast. So in my particular case, in my left breast, I actually had two types of cancer. I had stage zero LCIS, but the most problematic of the two was the invasive ductal carcinoma that I had. When I received my surgical pathology, it was discovered that it was estimated in my pre-surgery clinical pathology that there was only 1.2 centimeters that were affected by the invasive cancer. When the, the breast was removed, it was actually found that the tumor was actually 1.8 centimeters. Um, and that would be, is, I was very fortunate because that was on the borderline of the next level uh, needing treatment. Now, the one thing about uh, when they do the surgical pathology, there is much more in-depth examination of the tissue. And what they do is they look at the tumor cells and they look to see what, how closely they resemble normal cells. Um, if you can picture sort of an egg, I like to use this analogy, with the yolk in the middle, well, that would be like the nucleus of your cell. If you're 
cancer has a really nice yolk in the middle and the white all around it, then it pretty much looks like a normal cell. When they look at cancer cells, and that little nucleus, or the little egg yolk, looks like a blob that has little fingers going at it and looks like a little bit, he's got crazy hair going on there, then that's a more aggressive cancer. So my cells were closer to the egg yolk that was, that was behaving itself. And this was called well-differentiated. In other words, the nucleus was well-differentiated from the white. And my particular cancer cells looked more like normal cells, which in cancer pathology means they were slow-growing. It also meant that my body was trying to keep them contained. So that particular tumor, because it was invasive, needed to have further classification. And it was found that the tumor was estrogen receptor positive and progesterone receptor positive, which means my tumor was being fed by these hormones. I was also HER2 negative. Now HER2, you've probably heard a lot about Herceptin, and I'll be talking more about that in future podcasts. HER2 is a growth protein on the outside of a breast cancer cell. And if that receptor is prevalent on the cancer cell, then that cancer cell is, to, is more aggressive. And until the invention of Herceptin, that was usually not a very favorable outlook. But with Herceptin now, there is no difference uh, substantially uh, in statistics between survival of HER2-positive and HER2-negative breast cancer. Of course, it then also depends on if there is lymph node involvement. Well, I did not have lymph node involvement, and so, thank goodness, my sentinel nodes were negative in both breasts. I actually was sort of relieved when I got the pathology of the right breast that I had gone ahead and gone with my women's intuition or whatever you call it uh, to go ahead and have the mastectomy because there was extensive DCIS or ductal carcinoma in situ, but there was also extensive LCIS, which had not really shown up on the mammogram. LCIS is a little bit more difficult to see on a mammogram. And so the feeling by my oncology team was that that LCIS would have come back to create further problems. And with all of the abnormalities going on in my right breast, it was definitely the right choice to have chosen a double mastectomy. I always look back at this, and I don't laugh because I think it's funny, but I'll never forget what my oncologist said to me when I went in for my consultation about my surgical pathology, and she said, the bad news is that you do have pretty extensive breast cancer, but the good news is that you have really good breast cancer in both breasts. Your sentinel nodes are clear, and your cancer cells 
were well-behaved or well-differentiated. So I was expecting at that point with my post-surgical appointment that we would be deciding on what was next. Because I was estrogen and, receptor and progesterone receptor positive, I knew that I would be taking some sort of um, a hormone blocking drug. But I thought that I would know more than that, but that was not to be the case. Fortunately for me, there was a turn, a paradigm shift at this point where not everyone who had stage one breast cancer was to be given chemotherapy. There was a new test out, which actually had not even been approved by my insurance company, called the Oncotype test. And I will be talking about more about this test in my podcast on explaining all of this, the breast cancer staging and the terminology. But what it meant was that my tumor was going to be sent out to a special uh, genetic laboratory, and the genetic makeup of my tumor was going to be compared to tumors that were aggressive. And if I had a low enough oncotype score, then chemotherapy would not be recommended. So the scale was from 0 to 100, and I would find out at my next appointment what that was. So the, the only thing I knew at that point was that we were leaning towards my using the drug tamoxifen since I was premenopausal. And because my estrogen receptor was considered high, I would receive Lupron shots to shut down my ovaries so they wouldn't be able to produce as much estrogen. And those would be given um, every month during the first six months um, of my treatment. So I hope that that explains to you what the different types of cancer are. Um, in my next podcast, I'm going to talk about breast cancer staging and also the oncotype test and the paradigm shift from not everyone who has stage one cancer uh, automatically receiving the standard chemotherapy protocol and why. So thank you for joining me. Uh, I again ask you to please subscribe to my channel so that will allow me to reach more people and, and hopefully help, help more that are in, in our situation. And I'd like to say that whatever your situation is, there's always hope. And we all have to just take a step back and understand that with help and with the proper guidance, then we can all make the best choices. Thank you so much. Please visit my website at www.sistersforprevention.com. That's the number four, not the word for. Again, www.sistersforprevention.com. 
for more information on our topics and to read what is happening with the latest research on the prevention of this disease. Thank you, stay well, stay safe.